Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Rivals. People competing with another for the same objective or superiority in the same field of activity. Fantastic rivalry. It was intense. A lot of passion showed in it. I think the game that both teams look forward to every season. When you're the number one side in the world, everyone's going to play their best game against you. It's one thing being the hunter, but when you're the hunted, you're there to be shot at. Both chasing the same goals and dreams. I remember feeling really sorry for him. I knew I was going to beat him. I think there was needle between the teams, but just through wanting to beat each other so badly. You know, there was a mutual respect. Each fighting against the other. I thought, wow, that looks like a broken man. I thought, wow, is it really that serious? When you're suffering and someone's better than you on the day and you're doing everything you possibly can to hold on to, to them and not let that gap get any bigger than a metre and you're praying for the end to come or you're praying for the next corner so you can rest a little bit. They're the hardest days. In this series, we bring together famous sporting rivals to hear a shared story from both sides. The triumph... The tragedies, the victories, the near misses, the laughter, and the sorrow. This is Reunited on TalkSport. Everton and Liverpool have always been fierce rivals, but arguably this rivalry was at its height during the 1980s. During this decade, they would win league titles, meet in the FA and League Cup finals, and both claim European honours. Everton, worthy winners of the FA Cup in 1984. Alan Kennedy's penalty gives Liverpool the European Cup for the fourth time. But it was also a time when football united the city of Liverpool during a period of political strife, economic hardship and tragedy. This edition of Reunited, we bring together two stalwarts from both sides of the footballing divide. Former Everton striker, Graeme Sharp, and the man who played over 200 times for Liverpool, Steve McMahon. In 1980, Graeme Sharp left Scotland and signed for Everton, and he quickly became aware of how important football was on Merseyside. I think being a fan up in, up in Scotland, obviously the big game is, is Rangers and Celtic. So I knew they were big clubs, but also coming down to Merseyside, I knew that 
like Liverpool and Everton were big clubs, but I don't think it's until you're actually involved that you realise how much it means to the people. You know, I, I think as a fan up in Scotland, it didn't really matter. You, you wanted to go there and see your team, but when you're actually involved in the football club and the week building up to derby games, then you feel what it really means to to the people of Merseyside. People coming up to you and saying, if you lose, you know I can't go out for three days or I can't go back to work on the Monday. And you're thinking, wow, does it mean that much? But once you're immersed in the city, right away you know that you know this is so important for the people of Merseyside and for Everton and Liverpool supporters. Steve McMahon grew up in Liverpool and was a boyhood Evertonian, who, before he went anywhere near the red side of town, would sign for the club he supported. We were always the underdog and we were always in fighting in the shadows of Liverpool, of course, because they had such a magnificent side in the 70s and 80s. And so you're always up against it, always. But it, it wasn't daunting for me. It's just I always wanted to play for Everton. I grew up as a ball boy. I went be sitting behind the goals in my little stool and when Bob Latcher scored his, his 30 goals that season, I was the little guy behind the goal, popped his head up occasionally. And it was just a, it was a lifelong dream to, to play. I fulfil that. Obviously, I mean, time tells you that I didn't win anything there, which was just one of the things I would have liked to have done, is, is to win something. But I captained Everton. I, I played 100 games for Everton. And I was a captain. And I grew up as an Evertonian. And I was a ball boy. So, fun memories, you know. You don't just wipe them clean just because you play for Liverpool. For Graham Sharp and Steve McMahon, plus for every other Evertonian, the late 70s and early 80s was a hard time to be a blue. Liverpool were footballing kings both domestically and in Europe. Graham Sharp. Liverpool, we are the top dogs. You know, we knew that. I think over the years, I think there was an, an inferiority complex, you know, when you played against them. And they had fantastic players, soon as Douglas Hansen, Lawrence and, you know, Bruce Crawford, Phil Neal, Ray Clemens. They had fantastic players. So, yeah, we were the underdogs every time we played them. I think there was an inferiority complex, which, which showed in the results. And it was always something we... We tried to achieve and try and match them, but it was never the case. And you know, the changing of the managers, the changing of players. Uh, how can we? How can we stop them? How can we equal them? Steve McMahon. They were top team, top team. When you look back, you hated them at the time because they're so successful with, with wonderful world class players everywhere you looked around. And they were just winners. They just kept winning. One match in particular still haunts Evertonians of a certain generation. In October 1982. Liverpool crushed Everton 5-0 at Goodison Park. Both Steve and Graham were on the wrong side of that thumping. This could be history here for Ian Rush if he scores. He's at the post. He might score now, he has. And it's the first hat-trick in a Merseyside derby since 1935. It's Ian Rush, can he score his fourth? It looks as though he has. Yes! 5-0. We got battered in one of the games with 5-0. Sharpie played in it, myself played in it, and I remember it so vividly. It was like Glenn Keeley played centre half for Everton. It was his debut, and after two minutes, he got sent off, pulling Kenny Dalglish back. Kenny was through, and he pulled Kenny Dalglish back. I went to right back. I was centre midfielder, and I went to right back. Brian Burrows went to centre half, and next thing is 5 0. And all you see is the back of me running into the net, picking the ball out, and Rushy scoring four. But people do, People actually said if Glenn would have stayed on, it'd have probably been seven or eight. So it was probably to us a favour, Glenn going off, keeping it down to five. But um, that's a memory that sticks with me uh, forever, forever. We just got our heads down, got out of Goodison Park, went home, 
you know, even on the Monday, people say, brush it off, Monday's the beginning of a new week, look forward to the, the next game. But you couldn't because it hung over you for a, a long, long time. So that was really a tough time. Round about there when Liverpool were flying, absolutely flying. And we were trying to get there, but you look at that game and we were miles away. And, you know, if you asked any supporter that day, they would have said, this was never going to happen. The fact that we we're going to get one day in the next couple of years challenge them and, and win titles. But Everton would challenge the red domination due to some shrewd signings by manager Howard Kendall, including the likes of goalkeeper Neville Southall, midfielders Trevor Stephen and Kevin Sheedy, plus two more experienced players in Peter Reid and Andy Gray. Graham Sharp. I think the two who came in and and gave us so much were, were the two older ones, you know, Andy and Peter Reid, who, if you asked anybody in football at the time, they'd probably say they were done. They'd had their best times, you know, how have they, how have they passed a medical? Andy had knee problems, Reedy had, had problems as well, and you're thinking, gamble, real gamble. But those two came in, and I think they had a point to prove, you know, but they came into to a dressing room where they looked around and it was all young lads. And so they were massive for us, massive, massive both on and off the field. But you look at the other players I were saying, took a chance in Kevin Sheedy, 100 grand. People talk about... The Premier League a lot these days and go about Schmeichel being the best goalkeeper. Neville Southall was better. Neville Southall was the best goalkeeper in the world at that time. But one man wouldn't be part of the Blue Revolution. Steve McMahon, the lifelong Evertonian, was sold to Aston Villa in May 1983. I could have joined Liverpool in 1983. I could have gone straight from Everton to Liverpool. And in fact, I spoke to Liverpool, to Bob Paisley. So I actually would have been Bob Paisley's last signing. But I decided against it. Out of respect and out of the right thing for me, and that's why it still hurts me to this day. The Evertonians don't know the st- don't know the story, don't know the, don't, don't know the truth, um, because of how it didn't make it. He didn't he didn't tell the truth. He didn't come out and say why, because he needed to to sell me. They needed money. They needed to buy players. They needed to sell me. I was the asset. He could he should have just told me that instead of coming out and saying I was greedy. I wasn't greedy at all. If I was greedy, I'd have signed straight for Liverpool because they offered me lots more money than Aston Villa. I went for the right reasons, and so, so the, I wanted to put the record straight on that one straight away. That, that it wasn't wasn't about money; it was just about doing the right thing. My contract was up, freedom of contract, first year of freedom of contract, so it had to be settled by a tribunal. But it was clear that I, I needed to move on, and uh, and it probably needed to get that five 0 drubbing out my head as well. In the eighty three eighty four season, normal service resumed with Liverpool taking the title and also the European Cup thanks to an epic penalty shootout win against Roma in Rome. Kennedy coming forward, it's Kennedy. If he scores, it's all over and Liverpool have won. Liverpool are European champions! Alan Kennedy's penalty goal leaves Rome distraught and Merseyside jubilant. Alan Kennedy's penalty gives Liverpool the European Cup for the fourth time. But things were also looking more promising on the blue half of Merseyside. Everton reached the League Cup final, even though they lost two. Yep, you've guessed it. Liverpool. Here's Dalglish. Neil. In for Sunis. And a goal! Sunis for Liverpool. A few months later, they were back at Wembley for an FA Cup final date with Watford. 
and this time they would leave with the silverware. And the cross headed half away, and Stephen Sharp! And a goal for Everton by Graham Sharp! Scoring the goal. Yeah, listen, you can't take that away from me. You're looking at the record books now, 1984 Cup final, goal scorers, Sharp Grey. It was fabulous, but also that my, my, my parents, my mum and dad were down there. And for them, it was a special day as well. So, all in all, wonderful day, wonderful memories, and a wonderful start to what was a successful period for the football club. Watching from Villa Park was ex-Everton midfielder Steve McMahon. So how did he feel about his old club winning at Wembley? Balls. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a mumbled maybe fair play, but ab- absolutely balls. Yeah, yeah, because you, you, yeah, of course you you got it because you've left the club that you you you'd grew up with, and you leave and within twelve months they 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 they've won something you know, which is what I wanted to do. By the end of the nineteen eighty three eighty four season, the FA League and European Cups, plus the league title, resided on Merseyside. Liverpool was still the dominant team but Everton was snapping at their heels. Things were set up nicely for the next few seasons. Still to come on Reunited on TalkSport. And all the lads were on the stairs and they said, get out, get out of my house, I'm a red kind of thing. So they all get kicked out of his house. I comes out after the game, the car's in bits. In bits. But the last laugh is, it wasn't my car, it was Villa's car. This is Reunited on TalkSport, and in this episode we're heading back to the 1980s in the company of former Everton striker Graham Sharp and ex-Liverpool midfielder Steve McMahon. And a goal for Everton by Graham Sharp. Man who can shoot. Oh, Steve McMahon. The 1984-85 season would be a watershed moment for the blue half of Merseyside. For the first time since the likes of Alan Ball and Joe Royal had played for the club, Everton would take the league title, usurping their neighbours across Stanley Park. There was also the not-so-insignificant matter of a first win at Anfield since 1970, thanks to a Graham Sharp wonder goal. Looking for Sharp, and he got behind Lawrence and there, it's Sharp! What a fantastic goal! An unbelievable finish from Graham Sharp! And the Evertonians have gone berserk! I haven't seen a goal quite like that in a Merseyside derby for years. People talk, Matt, about the, the goal and, you know, wins goal of the year and, and things like that kind of thing. But honestly, and it was great to score the goal and, and be remembered for it and it was a, a spectacular goal. But coming away, the most important thing was we'd made a statement. We could go to Anfield. We could challenge Liverpool. We could beat Liverpool. Then it was down to us now to, to kick on and, and hopefully win league. But... That was a that was a massive uh, game in terms of it gave us a real belief. We had belief from the cup final, but going over there and matching them and winning, I thought, wow, we're, we can go now. We're on a, a different planet. We can match it. And I think if you ask the Liverpool players at the time, especially the centre backs, and Andy Gray when they played with Andy was really one of those guys who was really aggressive. And I think if you ask uh, Laurel and 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 Alan Hansen. Did they like playing against the two of us? The answer would be no, you know, because it was an aggressive. They wanted to play out and they were really good players. But Andy made sure, you know, for those games especially, we were, we were really up for it and they were aggressive and they were fast. And, you know, they were great games to play in, especially when you win. But certainly the game 
was a changing one for me, the fact that they said, right, this is a statement. We can go to Anfield. We can win. We haven't won there in the last 11, 12 years. This is a statement. We can go on from here. Go on from there. They did. Everton claimed the league title with a 2-0 win against QPR at Goodison Park in early May. Goodison at the time, I think it was 52,000 capacity. But when we walked out there, wow, there was more than 52,000 in there. So we knew it was a big game. But we knew, again, not being blasé, but we knew we'd, we'd won the league. And so to actually play in it, it was an incredible atmosphere, incredible atmosphere. And I remember Derek Mountfield takes one off my toe and scores the first goal at the park end, so I wasn't too pleased about that. Uh, but I managed to get the second goal at the Gladys Street, you know, off, uh, off a cross. And just the elation and, and looking around at the supporters and, you know, QPR would have brought 500 of that, but uh, it was full of Evertonians, the place was bouncing. And just to see the joy in their faces, because they'd waited that long. They'd waited a long, long time. You know, we asked some of them who went back to the to the 60s, even some of them went back to the Dixie Dean era in the 30s. They hadn't seen success for a long, long time. To add to Evertonian's joy, the European Cup Winners' Cup was claimed as well. The only blot and a near-perfect season for the Blues was losing the FA Cup final to Manchester United. For Liverpool, there was the consolation of a European Cup final against Juventus at the Heysel Stadium in Brussels, a match that would end in tragedy. The Heysel Stadium packed to capacity. The rival fans were segregated in different parts of the stadium. But then between the rival fans, across the metal and concrete barriers designed to keep them apart, taunting which led to scuffles, scuffles to fighting, fighting to full-scale riot, as the Liverpool fans broke out of their area and into the Juventus enclosure. The Liverpool fans in red and on the right here moved across, driving the Juventus fans back. The Belgian police had already lost control. It was here that the worst casualties and deaths occurred. Fans who were trying to escape the violence, driven against a concrete wall and either crushed, trampled or suffocated. Following the death of 39 Juventus supporters at Heysel, English clubs were banned from European competition. There would be no European Cup campaign for Everton. Graham Sharp. Evertonians say now, you know, who knows what would have happened? Who knows? You can't tell in football from year to year. And yeah, listen, did it stunt the growth? Yeah, possibly. But I think when you look at the bigger picture, you know, I think that people losing their lives at football match is the most important thing. And people still ask me now, uh, is there any resentment? I can't really say there is. You know, it'd have been great to go, and people say, "Would well, you have won European Cup?" You could never tell. European Cup in those days, we could get knocked out in the first round. As simple as that. You could drawn drawn against a bigger team. But I think you know, Evertonians will look at it and say, "Yeah, high school had a big a big effect in the way things were." But as players at the time, yeah, we were disappointed. But I think we looked at the bigger picture and the people who had lost their lives, and it was a tragedy. Uh, and that's the way we looked at it. We had to go on with it, try to put different competitions in, which were a waste of time and space. It led to the breakup of teams. You, look at, you can look at all of that, and that was disappointing, but not as bad as what happened on that night. Steve Maman. Oh, you could argue as well that Liverpool, maybe because we had a fantastic side in, in, in the 80s, so maybe Liverpool could have gone on and, um, and won maybe two or three. That's, a, that's a, another argument. So instead of the five that we've already got, it could have been maybe seven or eight. Mm. 
given it such a, a great squad of players that we had. So it works both ways, as, mm. I suppose. At the start of the 85-86 season, Liverpool saw a significant change at the top, with Kenny Daglish becoming player-manager, replacing Joe Fagan. His first signing was to bring Steve McMahon to Anfield. McMahon wanted a return to his native northwest, but things didn't go exactly to plan. Big Rolls Royce coming down his drive, and it's uh, deadly Doug, it's Doug Ellis. And you never see him coming down to the training ground, only when something's happening. I thought, yeah, it's happened. Here we go. Next thing we're training, the shout comes, Mackay, you want it? Okay, okay. Great, brilliant, sorted. Runs in, goes, sits down with the chairman and, and the manager, Graham Turner at the time. Right, you got your wish, get your boots, get your kit, get your bits and pieces, go and pick them up at uh, Villa Park. Your medical is taking place at Old Trafford at 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock it was, I think it was. So big runs waiting for you. The deal's done. Alan Brazil's coming here. A few quids, parting hands and whatever, but good luck to you in, and you're back in your northwest. And I said, I'm sorry. I said, I wanted a little bit further west than uh, northwest. And I just, I can't tell you on, on radio what the expletives were, you know, because they knew I'd been tapped up to say the least and I got launched out the, the, the room and then I never never even kicked the ball with the first team squad again Eventually Steve McMahon signed for Liverpool Meanwhile Everton had also been busy in the transfer window bringing in striker Gary Lineker from Leicester The 85-86 season would be a shootout between the two Merseyside clubs Steve McMahon Evan did have an edge in 85-86 and he should have actually won he should have actually won the league but he slipped up big time big time which was great for us and I think uh, I remember it really vividly I think it was Oxford Everton yeah. played yeah. and we played Leicester mm. and it was a big swing that night mm. where we, we, we let Everton had, had um, gone down Lineker had Lineker had made the excuse that he uh, the apprentice hadn't packed his boots so he made a new he had a new set of boots on and he missed four or five guilt-edged chances, but the, apprent the, the apprentice yeah. got the blame, mm. and that was right. Now a lot of people, and Steve's spot on. That Oxford game, you know, we were ahead, and and then I think we got beat by Oxford, and then the results kind of started to slip a little bit, and Liverpool took charge and went ahead of us. Uh, so yeah, that was that was a big night for us. That was a really big night. But you know, people said we threw it away. We did throw it away, but you still got to have a challenge. You know, and Liverpool that time came in to run a form where they're winning games and they could see it. And uh, we faded and Liverpool came strong. So did the addition of Gary Lineker unbalance a winning Everton side? We ch we changed our style a little bit because uh, he had, like, unbelievable pace. Unbelievable pace. Never never used to train. Uh, used to come in on Monday and he'd be in the bath. Wouldn't train. Come on Tuesday, he'd be in the bath. Wouldn't train. Wednesday be off. Thursday we'd come in and be in the bath. Wouldn't train. Friday'd come out. It was a little bit ahead tennis. Friday'd come out for 10, 15 minutes. Finish. Go back in. Come out on the Saturday and score a hat trick. Mm. So it continues the following week, and that's what done. So when you look at his goal scoring record, yeah, he scored goals. But I think we changed as a team. I think we probably played a little bit more before him. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily say. We never won the league because we changed this, and because his goal record was good. I just think that, as Steve alluded to before, the Oxford game, that was a big change. That game kind of just turned it Liverpool's way. Liverpool claimed the title away at Chelsea on the last day of the season. Fittingly, player manager Kenny Daglish scored the crucial winning goal. 
Kenny scores it, but I mean yeah. he couldn't he couldn't have wrote the script. Mm. His first year player manager, he actually scores the winning goal. Mm. We needed to win at Chelsea. Mm. And, and we win one 0 We beat Southampton, I think, six in the last game of the season. Uh, and listen, you know, and you hear the crowd, you hear the crowd say, oh, something's happened at Chelsea, kind of thing, blah, blah, blah. And you, you live in hope, you know, and we, we battered Southampton six, but you know, by the end, you knew that it wasn't going to happen, kind of thing. So from being so close, you know, it was like, wow, you know, we, we, I wouldn't say we thrown it away, Liverpool won it, kind of thing. But from being so close, it was so disappointing. You know, we finished the season in the high, scoring six goals at home, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter going home that night. It was like back in the house, bang, sit down, just contemplate what the season was like, wouldn't go out. That successful league campaign also saw Liverpool claim a victory at Goodison Park, something the returning Steve McMahon savoured. That was until he went to pick up his car after the match. It was 3-2 and my car got wrecked after that. I parked in, at the bottom of the park and, and Sharpie knows my, my sister-in-law he works he works at Everton and they had a clubhouse at the back of the uh, at the back of the glad uh, the um, park, end. park end so I parked my car there so I wanted to get quick getaway after after the game when I go out after the game someone had obviously had seen the car or seen me get out the car and then I comes out after the game the car's in bits in bits it's like we couldn't even whatever he could do it I don't know but the last laugh is it wasn't my car it was Villa's car <laughs> so uh, and, it rings, had, and it had spons- Steve McMahon no, sponsored yeah, yeah, by yeah, yeah, across yeah, it yeah. <laughs> so I rings, I rings Steve Stride Aston Villa on a Monday morning I says Steve you need to come and pick your car up he says okay no problem you've had it for a couple of weeks or so I said yeah no problem where is it give him the address I said but I've got to warn you you need a big bin and, and a, a, a shovel he said, what do you mean? I said, you'll, you'll know when you get there. And that was the last conversation I had with Aston Villa. <laughs> I, I never seen the car ever again. And, and the rest is history, I suppose. For Liverpool, the season got even better. They claimed the double with a 3-1 win over Everton in the FA Cup final. Lineker off through the centre again. This is promising. Lineker for Everton. Saved by Bobelar. Lineker, 1-0 to Everton. Here's Rush, onside, Ian Rush, goal. Douglas, no Johnston, yes! 2-1 to Liverpool. And Rush is on the far side. Is this three? It is! As if losing a major final against your rivals wasn't bad enough for Everton players, some bright spark had the idea for the players of both sides to travel back to Merseyside together. Liverpool won the double that year, the beats in the, the final. And if I remember right, was that the year that made us go back to I was just going to say, oh, was, whoever, oh. whoever organised this, shambles oh. for, if you're an Everton player mm. uh, and involved with Everton because they arranged for the plane to take us all back on a Sunday, both Everton and Liverpool. Mm. Both to, to, to stop off and do the, the, the trip around the city on, on the open top bus. How... Mm. Embarrassing would that be? Mm. I don't think they'd cancelled the open oh. top bus for Everton. 
But and really didn't he make the trip? He said, oh, you know, really, mm. said, no chance of going mm. back on that and what have you, and rightly so, because uh, losing to your arch rivals, cup and league, and having to travel back with them when we're all mm. on the champagne and having Kelsey, mm. it's heart wrenching, mm. heart wrenching, and I felt for them really. Mm. Although we, we did have a laugh, you know, Sammy Lee's and that mm. going in the airport, anything to declare, only a double. Yeah, well, we were the same. We couldn't believe it, and. I think we had a, a do book for the Saturday night, so you can imagine that was miserable. But the last bit didn't add a few too many as you drown your sorrows. And then it was the morning, right, we're going back. Right, okay, we're going back. And we're going back in the plane with Liverpool. We're thinking, no, didn't behave. No, no, you've got to go. And Howard was adamant. You had to do it. You had to go back. So really, when I'm not going back, I said, no way I'm going back on that. And he said, I'm not going back. So he got fined uh, a week's wages, whatever it was. But we all had to go back on the plane, get off, and Steve says, go on the, the, the open top bus. You can imagine how many Everton, fans, Everton players were on the top deck. There was there was nobody, everybody yeah. was downstairs hiding. It's the quickest open top bus yeah. in the world. It took about five minutes, yeah. I think. So we were going through through Liverpool, and the, and the route was, you know, come down Queen's Drive, which is the main carries mm. we into into Liverpool if you like to the grounds uh, so we're going down there and listen the lads are downstairs they're not upstairs they're downstairs having a few beers and everything else so I guess this stage where I'm desperate I'm desperate mm, for the toilet us. desperate in those days there wasn't any toilets on the bus so I'm thinking so some of the lads are using like the empty cans and all that I can't do that so it came to a halt the procession so I thought I need to go off so I jumped off the bus and this woman was in a garden and I ran up and said, excuse me, do you mind if I use your toilet? She went, yeah, no no problem. So she went in the house and it was upstairs at the top of the landing. So I've ran up the stairs. As I've come out, all the other lads have followed me and they're all queuing on the stairs. So as I've run down, her husband is in the front room watching the television of Liverpool coming back with the cup. He's a Liverpool fan. And he thought, they've stopped outside my house so he's kind of walked out to see what the stuff was and he, said, I hope he, all the all he did he did, he did yeah. and all the lads were on the stairs and he said get out get out of my house I'm a red kind of thing so they all get kicked out of his house but just that was a little bit a relief for us kind of thing because that was the worst couple of hours ever and as soon as it finished we all just kind of disappeared Liverpool lads probably went out and enjoyed themselves but that was a that was a horrible experience Still to come on Reunited on Talk Sport didn't realise in his, in his wisdom he'd run to the, the, the away supporters and he jumped on the barrier and all of a sudden he got bombarded with pork pies and, and hot pork pies as well and it was a really tough time you know and, and for the Liverpool players and Liverpool supporters not just for them but for, for Everton because the city was that close Here's a cool fact A crocodile can't stick out its tongue Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This is Reunited on TalkSport and in this episode former Everton striker Graham Sharp and ex-Liverpool midfielder Steve McMahon are taking a journey back to the 1980s when football on Merseyside ruled England and Europe. The 1986-87 season would once again see the teams from both sides of Stanley Park battle for the league title. But this time, the order would be reversed, with Everton coming out on top. Graham Sharp. Yeah, I think 86-87 was more of a squad. I think if you ask the first one, I think most Evertonians would tell you 1-11 to what the team was. You know, nine times out of ten, this is what the team was going to play. I think in the second one, it was more of a a squad, you know, I think the Paul Power came in, Paul Power was finished by everybody's, you know, reckoning he wasn't good enough, blah, blah, blah. I think Wayne Clark was another one that came in, we'd lost Lineker, uh, we had a lot of injuries, I was out for a while, Reedy was out for a while, Sheeds was out for a while. So we had a lot of injuries. so I would say the second one was the squad, and, and all credit to them, really all credit to them, because the lads who did come in for the players who were injured, put in a shift and done a good job, so the replacements that come in were, were good replacements. So, 42 games and a long punishing season. You win that league after 42 games and you're top of the pile. You deserve it. There's no excuses. You can't mm. say, oh, well, like, oh, the, the Lineker the, or the, the, mm. the, you know, the apprentice didn't put his boots in and stuff. This is over 42 games you win it, not all over the one game. So, Everton deserved it in, in 80, 86, 87. Of course they did. It'd be stupid of me to say they didn't. And, but, but yeah, you, you deserved the league then. Here's Stevens, sharp with a touch, sharp with a goal. There's no feeling like it. Scoring down at the Gladys Street end with 44,000 in the place. Everton have come from behind to lead 3-1 on their big day. And that's why they're the champions. Following Everton's triumph, Liverpool ensured the pendulum swayed to the red side with a league title in 87-88. But Wimbledon's crazy gang prevented another double. But then in 1989, football changed forever. Good evening. 93 soccer fans died in today's FA Cup disaster, Europe's worst ever sporting tragedy. Most of them were teenagers and children. They were crushed to death at the Liverpool-Nottingham Forest semi-final held at Hillsborough in Sheffield. 200 more were injured. During the FA Cup semi-final between Liverpool and Nottingham Forest at Hillsborough, 96 Liverpool fans never came home. Graham Sharp and his Everton teammates were celebrating a 1-0 win over Norwich in the other semi-final when they heard about what had happened in Sheffield. 
Even going back to the semi-final, when we go from the elation of winning the semi-final, you know, and we're, we're, we're all up and we're going in the dressing room afterwards and somebody says there's been a bit of trouble uh, at the other semi-final, and, and right away you think, hooligans, hooligans yeah, yeah. a bit of fighting or something before the game. So we, we're kind of still celebrating, and then words drifting through, it's, it's not hooliganism, there's been fatalities, and we're looking at each other thinking, oh, what's going on there? And then I remember getting dressed going on the bus and as we're going up the motorway on the bus in those days the news was coming through it was on every button. station yeah. every channel you couldn't mail, get away from it more fatalities yeah. more fatalities wow and you're thinking wow how how bad is this so it was a really tough time it was a horrible time you know not for us I'm saying with families and everything else more importantly but it was a really tough time you know not not and you talk about the final it was tough for the players it was really tough for the players for the Liverpool players who'd attended you know all the funerals and everything else and then you would look at it and think it's a Merseyside final you know but it was tough for us to play in I, I don't know I think really I know it must be tough for mm. Liverpool but for Everton as well it was really tough uh, should it have gone ahead yeah for me personally it should have done I agree it should have done and Liverpool won it so It'd give something to, to the Liverpool fans who were suffering but you know it was a really tough time not just the final but in general for Liverpool and the way they handled it Everton were very supportive in any way they possibly could after the event on the Sunday Kevin Sheed and myself went to the Catholic Cathedral where there was a mass and it was a really tough time you know and, and for the Liverpool players and Liverpool supporters not just for them but for, for Everton because the city was that close we talk about how, how close the city was and friends and going down to the final together. So it was a really, really difficult time. But, you know, the final, yeah, it, was, it should have been played, but difficult. Really it was difficult. fitting that it was Liverpool Everton, mm. that's all I will yeah. say. And, and it's, uh, it should have been played, it was played, and I agree, it should have been played. It'd have been an empty, it'd been a void if it hadn't have been played. And you remembered it for all the wrong reasons. It was played, it was a fantastic cup final. Liverpool won the cup, and it's dedicated to all the people that were that families and that, that that perished. You're listening to Reunited on Talksport in the company of former Everton striker Graham Sharp and ex-Liverpool midfielder Steve McMahon. As the decade moved from the 80s to the 90s, Merseyside's preeminence as the powerhouse of English football began to wane. There would be one more title for Liverpool at the turn of the decade, but for Everton, 1986-87 remains the last time they were top of the pile in England. But while the 1980s now seem a distant decade, they still bring back fond memories for Messrs Sharp and McMahon, especially the Merseyside derbies that were how shall we say, blood and guts affairs. Steve McMahon has a permanent reminder of his battles with rival Peter Reid. I've got a fantastic picture at home, and it's me playing for Liverpool and Reedy for Everton. And it, it is a blow-up picture, and it's like, it's a major sums the, the, the derby games up and probably sums the, the Reedy and myself up. And there's a picture, and I'm off the floor by about, two foot, three foot and Reedy's off the floor by about two or three foot <laughs> and the ball's on the floor mm -hmm. and we're mid-air it's like Kung Fu 
kicking each other. <laughs> and you could just see the ball on the grass, just flat as you like, and way above trying to kick, kick mm-hmm. each other. And it just and the, the determination on both faces is just ridiculous. Now that's X-rated tackles, and you couldn't get away with it nowadays. But we'd get up, we'd shake hands, mm-hmm. and even afterwards, win, lose, or draw, we, we, we'd have a beer together. Mm-hmm. He even got to a stage where Kevin Sheedy actually tackled in Derby games, <laughs> and that was never the case with Sheets. He didn't like a tackle, uh, but in even Derby games, he would leave his foot in there as well. So listen, they were ferocious. They were ferocious. It was that will to win from two teams, you know, going neck to neck and saying right okay this is what we've got to do and so that was part and parcel of it as I said we've lost that a little bit now you know when you see the games and the difference in the teams and everything else and not as many British players if you like the foreign players homegrown players yeah they've lost a little bit of an edge the Merseyside derby is always something you look forward to the players always look to it and said right that's it it's lost that little edge now Aside from Peter Reid Steve McMahon can also remember witnessing Everton captain Kevin Ratcliffe Using every trick in the book to keep his opposing centre forward in check. Kev was a Kev was an animal. <laughs> uh, but seriously, and I said before, he'd always he'd smash the centre forwards from behind whenever he could until he got a yellow card. Mm-hmm. He would, he, but he'd, and he'd keep going until the referee, at some stage, would eventually give me a yellow card, and then he'd, he'd calm down a little bit. So he should have got the yellow card in the tunnel <laughs> whenever we played against him. His favourite, his favourite always was. Yes, he used it's to. It's the first tackle, ref. But, yeah, but he always used to touch it forward and kid on. He'd looked up to see where they cut, and then the forward would come in to try and close him down. And he just went whoosh, bang straight over the top. So, oh, sorry, miscontrolled it. Yeah, well, he did. Yeah. Well, he probably did miscontrol yeah. it. <laughs> and while the action on the pitch might have been sometimes a bit X-rated, the winning brand of football played by both Merseyside teams also brought its moments of humour. Graeme Sharp in particular remembers an incident involving teammates Kevin Sheedy and Adrian Heath. I think Kevin Sheedy's was, was funny when we, we got beat and he, he scored a fantastic free kick at the cop end and he's decided in his delight to run to the cop end and give them the Vs. Uh, so when Adrian Heath joins him, so the following week he gets a letter through, he has to report to the, to the FA. Mm. So... On their way down, they decide, oh, we're going to get done here. We're going to get done. There's no way out. But... So he decides on the way, uh, he's going to say he gave it the 3 2 1 symbol, like Ted Rogers Ted on Rogers the 3 2 1. So he said he went into the FA committee and he said, no disrespect, they're all about 90. And he came away with that excuse and he got away with it. <laughs> and it was plain for everybody to see so, what yeah, he'd done. Yeah. And he just said, that's all I was doing. And he swallowed it and he got away with it. Incredible. Yeah. In Riverardi when I was oh. playing for Everton, <laughs> he scored. He scored for Everton against Liverpool. And he run, and he didn't realise in his in his wisdom, he run to the the, the away supporters, and he jumped on the barrier. And all of a sudden, he got bombarded with pork pies and, and hot pork <laughs> pies as well. Yeah. Bovril pork pies <laughs> stuck in his face, and he because he didn't realise they were the away supporters. <laughs> and what a fool, you know. Yeah. Uh, in Riverardi, that was a, that was a good story. <laughs> so we were talking about that for a while. Mm. Football has always been a massive part of life on Merseyside. So as we end our time-travelling trip back to the 1980s, it's also worth remembering that as well as the trophies and titles, both sides played another very important role during this time. While Everton and Liverpool were winning, they brought joy, pride and a sense of belief to a city suffering more than most during the 80s. 
supporters everything for the city. You, you ask anybody whether it's Thatcherism or, or it, it doesn't really matter. It's it, people lived a life for football, both Everton and Liverpool. Full stop. But yeah, it, it was it was great times for, for to be a supporter of Everton and Liverpool at the time because the trophies, best teams in in Europe probably at combined time I just think at the time you know you talked about Thatcherism and everything else and a lot of unemployment in Liverpool so they need something to hang on to and as Steve says you know football's massive you know massive and I think it was shown to everybody else that Merseyside as a region were together you know with two successful teams and it was a case of sticking two fingers up it doesn't matter what what you do to this kind of thing will be successful and you know trips to Wembley and, and, and finals and everything else when they came down in the hundreds of thousands I think it was a, a fantastic time. You know, they were tough times in, in Merseyside, but I think the two football te- uh, teams gave the the people of Merseyside a massive lift and a massive confidence to say, "Listen, it's not all doom and gloom here. You know, we're not getting downtrodden. We're going to show you in, in other ways that you know we're a successful region." Reunited with Graham Sharp and Steve McMahon is a tongue-tied media production for Talksport. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.